Hi everyone, welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. Gina Champion Kane will serve 15 years in prison for her long-running Ponzi scheme. Reporter Lori Weisberg has the details. Then Letters Editor Andrew Kleski shares reader thoughts. First, the news. The record-breaking heat that hit Greater San Diego for a second straight day on Thursday will be followed by a warm and mostly sunny Easter holiday weekend. The daytime highs in San Diego will range from 72 to 73 degrees Friday through Sunday. The seasonal high is 66 degrees. The high temperatures across inland foothills and valleys will reach the upper 70s and low 80s. A handful of La Jolla residents have received cease and desist letters from the electric scooter company Bird over their use of a scooter removal service called Scoot Scoop. The letters from Bird say that those who use the service are improperly impounding the scooters and allege that the activity is criminal. Scoot Scoop asserts that there is nothing unlawful about its operation, which removes dockless bikes and scooters that are left on private property. City Councilman Joe LaCava, whose District 1 includes La Jolla, said he directed the issue to the city attorney's office and will be discussing it with them soon. San Diego State University said Thursday that it will hold its May graduation ceremonies at Petco Park in downtown San Diego. The university said in early March that it would hold an in-person commencement for this year's graduates and for students whose ceremonies were canceled last spring when the virus was spreading rapidly, but it did not specify a site until Thursday. The university says that it will live stream the ceremonies for people who can't make it into the park. Former restaurateur Gina Champion Kane was sentenced Wednesday to 15 years in prison for running a $400 million Ponzi scheme with hundreds of victims. She received the maximum penalty for the criminal charges of conspiracy, securities fraud, and obstruction of justice. Federal prosecutors had recommended a lesser sentence, but the judge said she deserved the maximum, calling her crimes a tremendous fraud and a betrayal. The judge said her scheme was likely the biggest fraud committed in the history of the federal court's Southern District of California. Lori Weisberg is a business reporter who's been following this story. Lori, first, can you just remind us of the scheme that Gina Champion Kane was running? Right, so Gina Champion Kane is, was known before all this happened was a prominent restaurateur, so one would think she knew a lot about the restaurant business. So what she did, she created this side business investment scheme, if you will, in which um, she lured people in with the idea of making high interest loans to liquor licensed applicants, mainly restaurateurs or bar owners, um, because the idea is that when you apply to the uh, state uh, Department of Alcoholic Beverage and Control, you have to put up an amount of money equal to the cost of your license and temporarily in escrow. So her idea is she would get people, um, investors, to make high interest loans to these applicants. So helping basically put up that money they need, needed to put up. And then once they got their licenses approved, um, they would pay off the loan, um, pay back that deposit money and the, and the interest. And then the investors would you know, make some money because it was a high interest loan. Well, what those investors didn't know, and there was, um, there was about close to 400 of them, is that um, there were never any liquor license loans made. They were they were a scam. They didn't exist. Instead, she took the money um, that she was getting from her investors and she put it into her companies and then funneled it <clears throat> into her restaurants and 
retail and short-term rental businesses that weren't doing well um, to prop them up. And then also, as the U.S. Attorney's Office said, to enrich herself. So um, they never, so in the early days, she would pay back people. So they would get the idea that they were making money on it. So if no one ever got paid back, they would discover it was a scam. So she kept this thing running from 2012 to 2019 when she got caught. And it was pretty long running. So it's, you would think, you know, I, there were some obviously along the way toward the end, I think some red flags that finally alerted the uh, Securities and Exchange Commission and the FBI that there was something amiss here. But um, she kept that thing going, thinking that it would ultimately pay off. And then, you know, or and then, and then for the end, she got even more desperate when she saw it wasn't working and thought there would be some other way to raise money, but it never, it never worked out. Are the people expected to get their money back now? So there's no way they're getting the money back from Gina Champion Kane. I mean, her businesses were, her, all her assets were frozen when in 2019, when the SEC filed accusations against her in a civil case, um, those have all been sold off. And there's a court appointed receiver who's been trying to sell things off in hopes of getting some money back, but that's not, you know, when there were losses of over 180 million, they're not gonna get their money back that way. So what's been happening is there have many investors have been suing Chicago Title because Chicago Title, a well-known company, reputable, um, was used as the escrow company where these investors would, their money would be held. And they were told, don't worry, nobody else can touch your money. This is where your money will stay, it's protected. Um, obviously, Chicago Title is their deep pockets. So these investors are going after Chicago Title, and there have been some pretty big settlements so far. There's still negotiations going on. So people have been getting maybe 60, 70 cents on the dollar, but then, of course, some of that money goes to the, their attorneys. So they've been getting, some of these people have been getting some of their money back. And that I think that's their hope. I think they're also hoping maybe they'll find some others who were complicit in this, but whether those people are deep pockets like Chicago Title, I don't know. So it's um, it, it's iffy how much people will, at the very end of the day, get back. Why did the judge decide to sentence her uh, for a longer time than what the prosecutors recommended? Well, he's already known as a, a fairly tough judge, excuse me, he's already known as a fairly tough judge, but I think one of the things that, there were a few things he mentioned why he wasn't going along with it was Number one, he made a good point. Back in um, back last year, when uh, Gina Champion came, made uh, she agreed to plead guilty to three criminal charges with the U.S. Attorney's Office. She could have been charged with many more crimes, but she was going to be cooperative. So back then, as the judge pointed out, she already got a break for her cooperation um, because she could have been charged with multiple counts of criminal charges and faced an even longer prison term. So his point was, I don't want to do double dipping. I don't want to give her credit twice. That was one point he made. Um, another is, he's saying, where has that cooperation led to? I don't see any other prosecutions under, other than her chief financial officer who was sentenced about a week ago. I don't see any other criminal prosecutions. Um, he also was, um, he also saw that, you know, toward the very end when she was getting discovered, she also was involved in some obstruction of justice and, you know, shredding documents and not providing them. But I think one of the main points he made was she already got credit for her cooperation. I'm not going to give it to her again. And he was also very moved by a couple victims made um, 
couple of victims made uh, victim statements. And two of them were 30 year um, friends of Gina Champion came who said, you know, here's my friend. I went to her wedding. I was her roommate. We've known each other. And when she brought me in, she was lying to me. And, you know, I feel, you know, I feel, so he said, wow, he had no idea of the level of what he called callousness and avarice um, and betrayal until he heard those victim statements. I think that moved him as well. Were you there in the courtroom during the sentencing? I was. I was in the courtroom and I was in a position, they, they put the media, there weren't a lot of us, but they put the media in a jury box, in the jury box. And I couldn't, the angle where I was, her attorney was hiding her face, so I couldn't see her, but I was sitting next to the sketch artist. And finally, when I left, I turned to her and I said, because I wanted to see what kind of expression she had. And the, the sketch artist said, nope, she was stone-faced the, the entire time. There was a period when Gina Champion came made um prepared remarks to the judge you know i you know she understood the gravity of her crimes she wants to do better and make amends for all the people that she hurt um her voice broke maybe once or twice during that but other than that i, I didn't see any signs of emotion yeah what did she have to say to, for herself well she was pretty um she was talked about She's always someone that wanted to help people and do better for people. And she said, I, I've been ex examining myself. Like, you know, I had this really good upbringing and good parents. How could I have done something like this? And she makes a point at one point, which I hadn't heard before, that coming out of the recession around 2008, she said she reached a desperation point. Um, her businesses were starting to fail. She was nervous. She engaged. She said she, she was getting desperate. And so she ultimately turned to this the scheme so she could continue presenting the image she said that people had of Gina Champion Kane, which I remember covering her back then, you know, was as a very successful entrepreneur. And I don't think she could, you know, bear the thought that she would be failing. So to the very end, she thought she could make, well, if you believe her, make this right, as she said in her statement. And she said, you know, I'll while I'm in prison, I'll, I'll, I'll help the inmates. I'll teach them math and English and maybe real estate, um, about real estate. I'm gonna really, I'm gonna make this right so that you know, my life is you know, gonna mean something when I get out. Is this case over? So no, I mean, her, her particular criminal prosecution is over. Although um, depending on if she continues to provide cooperation while she's in prison, there's a possibility a year from now that the state, I mean, excuse me, the federal prosecutors can file something saying, hey, she's helped us more. We would argue that she should have some time off her sentence. But for the most part, her case is, is, is um, over, but this ongoing probe is not. The, the receiver just reported this week that she's pretty much since 2006, this would be September 2019, has finally finished her forensic accounting, which is a really heavy lift that she's been doing all these many months. And so now she's going to be showing where all the money flowed. There might be information that leads potentially to more prosecutions. Um, she is asking the judge, the judge who sent um, Gina Champion Kane was also the judge overseeing the civil part of the case. She's been asking for some time permission from the judge to go after Chicago title. He hasn't granted it yet. But that there's another hearing this um, this month, April, where um, she's going to ask again. He may, even though there's some settlements coming for her, he may give her permission. She's also going after 
a few of the investors who actually made money on the scheme to try to get money back from them. So there's this ongoing effort to maybe find others who were complicit and also to go after people to get some money, some more money back. So it's, it's ongoing. We may see more civil and criminal prosecutions. It's kind of one of those stay tuned cases. Now let's turn to opinion. Andrew Kleski is the reader engagement editor at the UT. Okay, Andrew, first of all, I wanted to ask about your say. I think we were expecting a lot of answers last week. I I think you said we had a landslide, but the question was whether we should build uh, multifamily units on single family lots. What did people have to say? Well, what we're looking at is a six pack of bills aimed at increasing density throughout California. And this would be uh, coming from Sacramento on down. Just that very issue had a lot of people concerned right there. They want control to be done locally so that the the local leaders are deciding where and how to build this kind of density. But uh, the one bill people focused on the most was SP9, which would, as you said, put four units or allow four units on single family home lots. Uh, While we got some responses saying that sounds like a pretty good idea because something's got to give, you know, we've got to find a way to get more people housed. Uh, we got a far number, a far greater number from people, probably homeowners, who are a little worried about the concept of having an apartment complexes built next door to them and across the street from them. And it's not so much just the accommodating the people and the density, it's accommodating the infrastructure needs that come with adding that many people. Are, you know, are, is your sewer line going to be big enough? Is there going to be enough water for them? Are there parks for their children to play in? Are there parking lots for them or parking spots for them to put their cars in? They pointed to parts of San Diego, particularly North Park and Pacific Beach, where added density has meant a lowering of quality of life. People parking their cars on the lawn. And uh, and and then there were also the issues of short-term vacation rentals that came into mind. Because if you're going to let somebody build a four-unit apartment complex next door to you, how do you know all four of those units aren't going to become vacation rentals for some company that just bought the land for that specific purpose. So yes, it's it's a very heated discussion. It's gonna be very interesting to see how it plays out. And what else are people writing in to you about this week? Well, the big issues, uh, national issues are the stimulus. Uh, I don't know if you got your stimulus check yet, but uh, some people haven't gotten their checks yet. Uh, there's also the infrastructure bill. This is a lot of money we're gonna be uh, asking to put into the federal hands to generate uh, more jobs and all sorts of great infrastructure things that we all would love to see built. But again, paying for them is going to be a challenge. Uh, People are talking about SDG&E, both issues of net metering and uh, which which, uh, involves uh, how people who are going to the trouble of putting solar on their homes are getting paid back for doing that. But also on the issue of the franchise agreement, uh, whether the city is spending enough effort making sure that a uh, top priority is that rates come down. We have the highest rates on at least the continental U.S. And people would like to see their rates down. And of course, immigration is always a big issue with the with the migrant girls coming to the convention center and uh, what they see as displacing the homeless that were being uh, housed there. People have some concerns about that and the and the the amount of effort that we're putting into housing these migrant children and teaching these migrant children. So those are local issues people are 
spending a lot of time on. And finally, I know we're kicking around a couple ideas for this this week's Yours Say. What are you thinking? Well, uh, one of the ones I'd like to talk about, uh, the back-to-school issue is a big issue we'd like to talk about. We'd like to talk about uh, the Chargers. Apparently, they're going through some challenges right now, and we'd like to know uh, what people think about uh, the prospects for the Chargers with uh, some family wobbles going on to possibly lead to selling the team again. Um, but I think we're going to land this week on leaving California. California is an expensive place to live. We've got high taxes and high housing costs and high gasoline prices. We've got earthquakes and floods and wildfires and all sorts of other things that the people in the rest of the country all point to and say, how can you live in California? It's got all these problems. And so we're asking people, all right, have you actually given serious thought to leaving California? And if so, why? But also, uh, for those who say uh, never, why? What is it about California that's going to keep you here despite all these challenges that you and I and everyone else have to deal with every day as Californians? Yeah, that list you rattled off is a pretty compelling argument, but also it's an awesome place. So that's not, that's even that's the short list. I mean, <laughs> there are a lot of issues, but you know, there's a lot of issues everywhere. California is a big state. It's very populous. Uh, it's very expensive, but there's a lot of people who wouldn't live anywhere else, particularly San Diegans on a day like today. My hometown, it's snowing right now. Wow. And uh, here in San Diego, I think, what is it, 80 degrees out? So. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. We'll be back tomorrow. <laughs>